us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And a brief pause to see if Ron's actually there before I say hello, good evening, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. You're listening to Togginet, ParaX, the Ghost Channel, and beyond. And apparently, Ron's fell off the Skype perch tonight, so while we wait to find him back again, um, we, we can't really ask Ron what he was about doing this week, which is normally what we do at this point in time. So... Uh, <clears throat> While I, I aimlessly fill in time and listen to the Skype bubble go on and off, tell me that they're trying to reconnect to Ron. Um, I'll discuss the paranormal, which is, I guess, why we're here, because uh, it seems to have been a fairly quiet week, paranormal-wise. Uh, we seem to have not very many ghosts here in the news in the UK, uh, although we... We do have some bad weather forecast, but that's got nothing to do with the paranormal. Come on, Ron, where are you? I don't even know if we've got a guest tonight because he hasn't told me that either. So we wait while Ron comes online. And uh, I'm just listening on the headphones, which is why there are these pauses, because you'll have to forgive me. I'm having a weird echo as well, which isn't very helpful. Really? So, ah, there you go. I think. Was that you, Ron? I've got some very strange no, noises. It's, it's a doppelganger. No, it's an echo. Go on. That's what was making it difficult. Hello. I've done all the introductions. I've told them you're not here, so we can press on. Oh, I was here. No, you weren't. <laughs> Anyways, uh, how are things in uh, jolly old England? Yeah, I've done all that bit. I've told them there's no paranormal news here in the UK. We've had nothing to report apart from a very cold, uh, snowy day, which isn't anything to do with okay. the paranormal. One thing I do want to report, of course, is that uh, if you've gone on my sp- Facebook page and also on the uh, international page, we posted this lovely parody of uh, Most Haunted. I don't know if you saw that. Um. <clears throat> You mean the one about the uh, the breaking wind? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. And uh, you know what's the funny part about it is, is you know, we, we would never think about that uh, professionally, but I, I am absolutely sure, and I would bet on it, that just about every team has experienced uh, some type of a catastrophe like that. Uh, well, not a catastrophe, but some type of a uh, incident like that. It's a good word for incident. Would you agree or not? Uh, oh well, certainly there are. There have been many, many instances where uh, the the rumbling stomach has given away the game and has caused some entertainment. Um, in fact, Absolutely. I even recall one occasion when uh, 
a psychic started talking to a rumbling stomach before somebody finally opened up to the fact it was their stomach that was growling. Oh, it was similar to what happened uh, in that parody, which is funny. I mean, that's... Uh, I, I can recall, you know, several instances and probably the, the most... Uh, uh, humorous one, to, at least in my book, was the uh, uh, Mary's chair at the uh, Hooten Mansion, and uh, and uh, one member of my team, who shall remain nameless, uh, had Mexican for lunch, so um, it didn't sit well with him. So he was sitting in Mary's chair, and um, a similar incident happened. And the, the thing is that everybody who sits in Mary's chair has supposedly had these paranormal experiences at the Hooten Mansion. So uh, he was there, and uh, of course, uh, he broke wind, so he got up and left. And then a woman who was a, a psychic, a medium, uh, sat in a chair and started again, and she says, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very strange, feeling very strange. Oh, I smell sulfur, sulfur. Oh, demon! There must be a demon here. It smells so horrid. It's demonic. It's really demonic. And she got up and got away. She said, "I can't take it anymore." And she got up, and then another medium came in, sat in the chair, and she says, "Oh my God, you're right. I can feel the negative energy, and and, and the smell is so bad. It, the sulfur. It, it must be a, a demonic presence." So that little bit went on for about a half an hour. That was one heck of a lingering fart. Half. <laughs> what? <laughs> what on earth did he have to eat? Oh, you don't know, my son. <laughs> oh, did I mention who it was? Oh, I guess I did. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of guessed uh, who it might be. Um, I just call, just call it intuition. But uh, yeah, uh, as I said at the start, before you before you appeared, when I was suddenly flung into the into the uh, realm of a bad echo and complete silence on the earphones, um, mm-hmm. we've had absolutely nothing much happen this week. Um, it's been a really quiet week, paranormal. Paranormally, I think people are recovering from Halloween and battening down the hatches because we had three flakes of snow and a bit of wind today. So uh, all our newspapers are predicting the coldest winter for 100 years again, which is what they do every November. Yeah, they they predict it every November. Um, And then everybody goes out and and starts panic buying. I went out and did some panic buying yesterday. I got some biros and a wardrobe um, because the store had sold out in milk and bread, so I just grabbed what I could. Um, oh, of course, right. That, that's been our paranormal week. It's been it's been really rather quiet here in the UK. Uh, well, it, it's you know Halloween's over, so you know nobody's really thinking paranormal anymore. Uh, you uh, know they're well, they're thinking about the holidays. Well, yeah, that's certainly true over here. People are get, well. There's there's the usual round of uh, groups, um, paranormal events and paranormal ghost hunts and all that going on. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty routine. And of course, this is the busiest time of year for all that because it's the dark nights. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We're gearing up for the holidays. Every store is playing Christmas music because we don't have Thanksgiving over here. Um, we just head straight from Halloween into Christmas. And uh, so all our stores are playing Christmas music. In fact, some of the houses now have got the Christmas lights up. And, uh, yeah, so 
there's not even that much on television, you know, ghost-wise at the moment. We've got a lot of uh, repeats of the American shows. Uh, as you know, there's no British shows being currently made. Um, there's the repeat of Most Haunted, and apparently I've been seen uh, early evening television on Pick TV, one of our cable channels over here in the UK. Oh, that's scary uh, in itself. Yeah, I was going to say that's really bad timing because it's before the nine o'clock watershed and it's right while people are eating and they've got to face me. Uh, so, you know, I'm regularly apologising on Facebook for having done that to people. But, you know, we don't even get repeat fees for that show, which is an absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, other parents. Parasite is back in front. Well, we're back in front of the. Well, I'm not. Anne is back in front of the camera. Uh, a couple of weeks. Time. She's filming a segment for MSNBC up in Manchester, England, uh, relating to. I don't know if do you remember the uh, hit the news. Gosh, it must be nearly a year ago now. The statue that used to. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I posted that several times on my uh, website. Yeah, well, Anne's been, uh, Anne's been asked to go along uh, with a crew from MSNBC to uh, do a little segment for, for them on that particular paranormal or not event. So I think she's filming that uh, the week after next. Oh, okay. Um, that, that will be interesting. We, we should, when she completes that we should uh have her on the show and uh i mean she gonna do it open-minded or is she just there to debunk it i'm just what i'm just trying to curious that's all uh well i i i, can't I mean she is she on a I mean, is she on a evidence well i've known Anne for a number of for a number of years as you know and i, I can kind of guess uh what her her thoughts would be but I'm not going to to spoil it for any viewers. Suffice to say that it has actually, I think, been comprehensively already explained um, in a fairly rational way, and also I think has has been replicated. Now I haven't I haven't stayed on top of this story because it really doesn't relate very much to uh, any area of interest of mine because it didn't seem to be that you know paranormal. Um, and did seem to be easily explained, but I do under I, I think if memory serves me, somebody did do some uh, replication experiments, and they they I, I think they demonstrated that it did have a fairly mundane cause. Now whether that's faulty memory on my part or or this well, someone came up with work- someone what? came up with a solution saying that it was the vibration of trucks going by ba 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 ba. And that was also supposed to be rounded on the base. But I assume that, you know, she will be looking into that. I mean, she will be seeing if the, there is a, a round in the base where that would cause it to spin and, and doing some measurement and stuff and not just going in there and saying, oh, I know what it is. It's, it's the truck's going by or it's, it's the cat that, at night. Uh, I assume that she'll actually do some research on this. Uh, well, I don't know the actual format of the program, uh, whether it's just a straightforward interview uh, to offer a uh-huh. perspective on it or whether it is actually a uh, go and investigation. Uh, take a look at it, you know, investigate it. If it was the latter, if it was an investigation, then I can I can be 100% confident that uh, it would have been thoroughly examined in terms of uh, con- convexity of the base, um, 
and you know vibration etc etc uh but it might just be a you know offering a skeptical pov to to uh you know put up against the, uh, somebody with a different uh, view on the subject oh i hate that well i hate it too but you know it's it's the publicity is publicity is that what you're saying well no <laughs> um we don't often get the chance to actually do any really serious investigations because what tends to happen is the TV company just want, they just want a skeptical five minutes at the end, don't they? They just want the other, you know, they call it balance. It's not balance. They give the, they give the, you know, oh, scary exactly. statue moves and they give that 20 minutes and then they say, but skeptics might say that it's just a lorry vibrating outside, and then they have a skeptic saying, "But it was a lorry driving past outside." So we're never really given the the, the opportunity that we that we really deserve, um, you know, on these television programs. Because what they're yeah. really doing is is selling the selling the ghost or selling the the possibility of the ghost because it sells more sells more copies, sells more ads. The skeptic is there only for... Oh, oh, they try to make the paranormal investigator or the medium look terrible by just getting someone who absolutely has no clue but this, given their best guess of what it was, uh, what was the probable causes. Well, again, this is the trouble with some, some branches of skepticism, isn't it? That they, 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 you know, they're often ill-informed or they don't really do that much investigating themselves. Or they just feel obliged to say something contrary uh, without, you know, studying it. Um, you know, it's just for the sake of taking the opposite point of view because they're a skeptic. I don't know. It just that drives me nuts. I, I mean, we really should have the opportunity to look at a thing or uh, an event or whatever you're investigating to look at it. And look at all sides of the 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 um, uh, coin, basically. Uh, do you agree or? No, I totally agree. And I, I you know, in actual fact, um, you've heard me talk about it before. The in the summer we did the documentary for uh, Japanese television, and we're still mm -hmm. actually uh, they're in the final processes of the final edits now. Um, and we're still very much hands-on with them um, and very pleased the direction it's going because it is a very accurate portrayal of a science-focused paranormal investigation. I don't think it'll ever be shown in the UK or in the US on TV channels because obviously it's made for Japanese television, but there may be a YouTube version of it available uh, for, those who, for those who can speak Japanese, I guess. Um, but they have developed uh, exactly the sort of program that I think you and I would love to, you know, be the norm. One where they simply followed us around while we looked at numerous possibilities, explored all of the different options, um, examined all of the possibilities. And I mean all of the possibilities. We spoke to the witnesses. We looked at the previous accounts. We didn't dismiss anything. Uh, we didn't rule anything in, and we didn't rule anything out, and we simply went through the process of an investigation. Um, and that, to me, is a refreshing approach that I don't think I've seen a Western broadcaster do. And you know I've done many documentaries, and they do tend to come, 
I guess, sort of preloaded by the director. They have a sort of spin on them. He wants to show this. He wants to portray that. And so they're, they're sort of stage documentaries. Um, and whilst you do have a degree of control over what, you know, what you can be, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, what, what you will do, and what you won't do, um, the director still does have, uh, you know, a set of preloaded ideas about what he wants to do with the programme beforehand. But the Japanese didn't. Uh, they just wanted to, it was fly on the wall type stuff. Um, and it was very, very refreshing. And it's nice to see the way that the that the post-production edit is going as well because they're maintaining this integrity. They're double-checking, you know, facts and figures with us all of the time. What, you know, what's permissible to say, what's not permissible to say. Um, and it really, it really is very, very refreshing to work with them. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I mean, if I was to do a... Um a TV thing, or even, I hate to say a TV thing, but uh, to document uh, an investigation, what, if I had the opportunity, so for instance, if I had an opportunity to investigate this statue thing, I mean, I would go in it and look at it at all possibilities. And my conclusions would be that conclusions, these are the possible explanations for it. And, and, and do it that way. That To me, that would... That's what I would really like to do, I think. I, I would like to present the evidence and let the jury decide. To, to Anyways, that's my thought. Well, that's one way of doing it, but uh, but that doesn't often... That wouldn't often sit well with the program maker because they want to, you know, they'll have already pre-decided what they want from the program. Your job is to deliver uh, and hopefully try and get your own message across too. The budget might not sustain that. Um, it might not be possible to to do that level of investigation in the within the budget and the time constraints of a program. And plus, you've also got to bear in mind that it does have to be. You know, t- uh, informative and entertaining. People have got to watch the damn thing. Um, but it would be. Honest. It absolutely would be if if you you know you be yeah. right. If, if it fact, would you be know, if it was done I mean, right. But the you, program you are coming back cycles. here. You are coming back. You are coming back here next year in, in 2014. That, that's yeah. our plans at, at this moment. So I think <laughs> if if you're up for it, you and I should do that. We should take a little bit of time. I'll find a cool thing. We'll we'll go and we'll we'll take a look at it from a you know several points of view and and do that type of uh, uh, an investigation. Where we we uh, I, I mean if you're up to it, I mean maybe that's something you're like oh I don't I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to put my name on anything like that. Blah blah blah. I don't know, um, but I would love to do that because you are a lot like me, but a lot unlike me as well. So I think we could get some interesting results. I think it would be um, it would be a rare honour and a privilege to do that, and it's something that I have actually, you know, always wanted to do. I've tried to do, um, you know. If, I I know we just hop back to most haunted, and the reason we'll do that is because it's the one that people most remember. Um, as I say, you know, I've done a lot of documentaries, but nobody ever watches them. But they, they'll watch half a dozen copy episodes of Most Haunted. Now, here in the UK, they showed an extra bit of Most Haunted, um, an extra half-hour program that usually followed it, called Most Haunted Extra. And 
you know, the first couple that we did, um, we did actually, I did show the investigation process or some of the investigation process. I didn't, you know, I wasn't hands-on with the editing. But that was the intention. And, you know, that's that's not, uh, you know, that doesn't form part of the main show. And moreover, the extra changed um, after that to become primarily an extension of the show itself with more screaming and rushing about and less mm-hmm. looking at, at what went on, you know, the extra bits that went on, the fact that the phenomena that were being reported by, by witnesses at the locations were actually being investigated, that some of the claims were being tested. Um, at the Potteries, for example, uh, we t- I tested the claim about uh, an object falling and moving about, um, we tested the claims of the doors opening and closing at the big uh, the big doors opening and closing at the Manchester uh, Theatre, and we were able to explain. I was able to explain what took place, what happened. Um, that wasn't broadcast as part of the main show because it's not what the audience well, wanted. Well, well let me ask you, audience... Stephen. Um, I mean, you were you weren't went from what you were telling me you went solely like okay this is going to be debunked i will explain how it's going but did you offer the other side as well saying okay perhaps interviewing a medium and saying okay this is this is what i get and this is the reason why and and try to you know get a thought process where you can totally understand what's going on and how different people can see the same event in different ways and to them, each of them is the truth. You ought to read the Parascience website. Of course. And, I, and I'm going to pull you up there because you just used a word I, I really don't like using, which is the word debunk, because uh, I, I have never that. set I out... I that word myself. Yeah, I have, I have never, ever set out, uh, nor is Parascience ever set out to debunk anything. Um, that's not our mission statement, and it's, it's not a word that we even associate ourselves with. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because we, there are there are numerous occasions where we don't have the answers, uh, but by you know we can't obviously go and find what's happening. Why did the doors open? Well, we found out why the doors open. Why did the objects fall off the wall at the potteries and bounce across the floor in the fashion that they did? Well, we don't know because you can see on the on the extra program the replication, but the replication failed. Um, so we still don't have an explanation as to what, what took place. So what you see is the process of attempting to or trying to portray the, the process of an investigation um, in a 30-second in a segment. But it was done. Um, and you don't always reach the conclusion uh, that it's paranormal. You don't reach a conclusion that it's pa- not paranormal. Uh, you're simply testing the claim that's being made now that claim might be extraordinary and they talk about this what's it they say they like to say an extraordinary claim requires extraordinary proof well no i mean that's 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 a bit nonsensical really isn't it i mean proof is proof um and just because the claim is seems extraordinary doesn't necessarily mean it is an extraordinary claim um and we have to be evidence-led we we you know we go yeah but there is evidence and there is evidence and evidence i mean if you look at evidence on a purely 
scientific uh, uh, plane, then you're looking at it one way. If you if someone looks at it on evidence of, on a spiritual plane, it's it's different because it's, to them it's still evidence, but it's not the same plane or the same way that we look at it. Yeah, but you jumped on me there too quick because what I was about to say is um, we take everything initially at face value. Um, it's all evidence. It's all part of the information gathering process. If somebody says that they saw an apparition, if somebody says that they have a sensitivity or that they're psychic and they have gained a psychic impression about something, we will document it and we will we will record it. What we don't do is overemphasize it. We give it exactly the no. same weighting as as anything else. Right. Absolutely. But we still but we still document it and record it, and it builds oh, into. Good, good. The dossier of evidence. Uh, you know, we I, I have a helps great us case reaching, you know, some sort of notion about what's taking place. I have a great case that I've been sitting on, and maybe uh, I can arrange it that when you uh, come over here, we can take a look at it. It has all the all the uh, elements of a, a really interesting case, and and I think we could do it. Uh, using the same method that we're talking about. And I noticed that uh, Mate says, I hate to say it, but uh, in the uh, Tojanet chat room, but he says, I hate to say it just because one can find an explanation to why something could happen doesn't mean it wasn't paranormal, experience didn't happen. And I, I've always said that. I said just because you can de- uh, pro- uh, replicate uh, something scientifically or naturally doesn't mean it wasn't paranormal at the time it occurred if you weren't there. No, and that that's something that uh, is often put forward, and in fact it's something I've criticised myself because there was quite a few people in the early days of the orb phenomena who spent, uh, mm. the, it was the group here in the UK, ASAP, uh, a couple of their investigators went out and started throwing cinnamon dust, um, cinnamon mm-hmm. powder in front of a camera and getting really was good orbs. And, and, you know, <laughs> I remember pointing out to one of them once, well I've you know, I've done a lot of haunted locations, and I've never once encountered a cloud of cinnamon dust. Um, <laughs> so, so the fact that cinnamon dust looks awfully like orbs doesn't mean it's the same phenomena. Uh, but uh, but there are occasions. Just to come back to that comment, there are occasions when it is perfectly possible to explain what took place, not by replication, but by well, I, I, replication. And actually witnessing the event for a you know a second second or third t- uh, time. Now one of those that struck me, uh, one of those that I will relate took place in a haunted funeral home, um, complete with cadavers. And this was a long long time ago, and it was all perfectly legitimate. The reason why we were there. Um, were you getting near death frequencies, by the way? Sorry. Were you getting near death frequencies, by the way? I was just curious. No, 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 no. We were there to investigate uh, accounts of a moving door, uh-huh. uh, which some of the staff were getting a little bit disturbed about. And what we discovered, we spent the, we spent several uh, afternoons, evenings, and uh, around the clock there, and we did ourselves witness the door starting to move, and it would swing two or three inches one way. And then it would pause and it would swing two or three inches back past the centre and off to the other side. Uh, And that would go on for a period of time and then it would stop. 
Anyways, I hear the music, which, which means we have to take the break right now, so you can hold that thought. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles at the National with Mr. Power Science, Steve Parson, and New England's own Van Helsick, right here on Tochinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future then circles of wisdom is just the place for you circles of wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more located on route 28 in downtown andover massachusetts we carry a large selection of books and music crystals and gemstones jewelry and gifts sage aromatherapy and so much more all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere we offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Anne, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. 
And the beats of Ron's heart means that we're finally back. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Tojunet, ParaX, the Ghost Channel, and maybe even on the podcast. And we were talking before the break about moving doors in funeral parlours. Really? And I wasn't aware of that. We were, and how we were called in to investigate them. And we discovered after witnessing the door phenomena for ourselves, that it only occurred when somebody turned on the portable gas, colour gas fire in the small office beyond and had the door ajar into the main office. And the reason it did it is because the warmer from the colour fire was rising and going over the top of the door and making the phone ring in the background. Uh, Just telephone calls from the dead, don't worry about it. <laughs> and so as the, as the warm air rose over the door, of course, it started to uh, it dropped the pressure on uh, one side of the door, which caused the door to to move one way. The cold air went the other way around the base of the door, which pulled the door closed and started the, a door swing going on. If you turned the fire off, the ghost went away. So there are some cases where it's perfectly possible to uh, determine the actual cause. And I don't think there was any paranormality involved in that case. But why did the, why did the why did they think um, it was paranormal? Just curious. Um, the reason they believed it was paranormal is because one of the 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 one of the staff had recently been to see a medium. Uh, and, uh. Hang on, hang on. Not nothing to do with the funeral parlour, but one of the staff had been to see uh-huh. a medium and had been told that uh, one of her deceased relatives was trying to get in touch with her. That was in about the late fall. So within a few days of being back at work, the temperature, of course, was a was a you know we'd gone through the summer into fall. Somebody lit the califier. And the door started moving. The rest, they say, is history. Hmm. So that ended all that paranormal. The, the whole paranormal thing was based on the, the simply the door moving by itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story picked up a bit of momentum as, as one staff member passed it to another. Um, and what we did, actually, was it was relatively simple to fix it. First of all, we obviously showed them uh, what we discovered, and mm-hmm. uh, by by opening um, the small vent in a window, we changed the airflow sufficiently in the room to prevent it happening. So uh, a little bit of a little bit of physics, and I guess uh, I mean it was it was it was fortunate because at the time um, I mean it was a. a you know, I, I I trained in the petrochemical industry initially, originally after leaving school uh, in process control and uh, industrial measurement and process control, and a lot of that stuff was done on the the movement of gases and fluids. Uh, so I understood venturi effects and pressure differentials and vortexes and all this sort of stuff, and so it was you know it was right in the area of 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 you know. Uh, where I was comfortable, uh, and so it was. It was. It was quite an interesting one to work on that. But you know, just going back to the chat room comments, it is absolutely correct that 
just because you can replicate something doesn't mean that that was the actual way it took place. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. But if you, I mean, that's a, a very physical thing that you can measure. I mean, you know, a door opening, a door closing is something that you can attempt to replicate. Uh, you know, whereas seeing an apparition is a little bit more difficult. Um, hearing is is something you can uh, at least uh, try to identify, but. Yeah, I guess you could even even see an apparition. I, I suppose you could uh, deal with shadows and lights and stuff like that too, as well. So, I guess you can explain most things. I guess the only thing you really couldn't, if you uh, felt or sensed something, I guess. But the thing is, you're assuming there that it's one of you know. There's any question of belief because there is. <laughs> We've said it over and over again. There is overwhelming evidence that people see ghosts. You know, there is no doubt that people see ghosts. There is no doubt that people have ex- paranormal experiences, uh, that people see dead relatives returning, that people see and, and hear and get touched, that the, all of these experiences exist. Um, so it's never been a question of, of belief or doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been the question of why. What are they actually experiencing? Uh, can we can we in some way determine that? Now, we, you're absolutely right. We can't measure a lot of things. We can't measure love, for example. One of the you know the most powerful of all human driving forces. There's no mm-hmm. there's no scale to measure it. There's no equipment to measure it. There's no love meter. Um, you know, there's no K K T meter for measuring love. So, so not yet. Give it a chance. Well, in some respect, you know, ghost, ghost hunters are more advanced than, um, than psychologists because ghost hunters can measure ghosts, apparently, uh, but nobody can measure love yet. So, uh, oh, give it, give it, a, give it a chance. <laughs> yeah, somebody invented, yeah, somebody invented the love meter. Oh no, well, that's not exactly true because I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to the arcade and they had a little meter there. You put your little held on to the little handle thing and. It told you yeah. know, the little thing went up in the air like a thermometer, and it told you what kind of a lover you were, I guess, or how much yeah, you were in love. I can't forget. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a galvanic skin response uh, device. Um, always measure crudely measure. It's like those uh, mood-changing rings that you can get, all those fish that come absolutely cellophane fish that you put on your hand. Um, they're not measuring love. Though, you know, they? they're measuring they're, they're measuring a reaction that that you know some people do respond in, uh, in certain ways to physical stresses uh, and emotional stresses. So you can measure some of the symptoms or the signs of love, uh, but you can't measure love itself. Is that Boy, the, the dead are really the dead are really restless today, aren't they? Uh, I, I, maybe we've maybe we've touched a uh, touched a nerve. But yeah, all the lovers, all the lovers are all the lovers are calling me. But <laughs> I mean, uh, as, as I told you before, when I when I first uh, uh, when I graduated from college and had my degree in environmental science, and we we used to design and manufacture environmental teaching aids for schools, and one of the the uh, things that we did. Uh, develop and did sell to schools and colleges actually was a uh, the plant talker, which was a biofeedback device for plants. 
and uh, that was was interesting. I, I wish I still had one today. Uh, I would love to see how plants would react to ghosts. I mean, to, that would be interesting in itself. It's an awful idea. Um, in fact, do you know that kind of rings a bell? I'm, do you know, I'm sure somebody, I'm sure in one of the parapsychology journals lurking on the shelves mm-hmm. here there's there's somebody who's done something similar to that um i'm dredging the the depths of memory uh for some there was a book out back in the 70s there was a book in the 70s called the cigarette life of plants and that's when this uh, came out with the same time yeah no this is somebody's actually related done a parapsychology experiment that that's not how plants react to ghosts or the dead but uh, certainly, uh, there, there has been, I'm fairly certain, um, parapsychological investigations of plants' mm-hmm. consciousness, I guess, uh, would yep. be the best description of it. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm facing several hundred journals here. I, I'm never going to remember uh, which one I read it in six no, or eight or, uh, you know, months I'm aware of that ago. study. Sorry? I'm aware of that study. Oh, you're aware of the study? Well, that saves me a lot of yeah. uh, struggling through the shelf. Then tell me where to find yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, they would. Um, th- there was a lot of work done in that, and, and, and it's you know a little bit fuzzy in my head. But um, they would uh, like mentions people's names, like Hitler, uh, and they would have one reaction. The plants would have a a different type of reaction, and there was all different things. The thought of hurting a plant and just the thought of it uh would would install a reaction and uh yeah i, I remember that oh, god if I, I i can't remember the details exactly but it, w- it was on that line uh where they did a lot of work with plants and i can't remember which plants i think it was very simple plants like uh oh god oh i can't even remember oh, i wish i could but that's exactly yeah. the position I find myself in. I can re- half remember yeah. the experiment, but yeah. uh, it's not the sort of thing that you know one looks up on a daily basis. Uh, no, so not at all. I, I know the details are somewhere on the shelf, but I have no idea where. But interestingly, <laughs> if we come if we come back to these, uh, I you were talking about experiments where uh, the idea of plant consciousness. I noticed that the SPR put, uh, posted a couple of links up on Facebook and Twitter this week, which related to the work of a Japanese uh, scientist. Uh, Emoto or Mato? Emoto with the water, the water yeah. memory idea. And, of course, it gave me an opportunity to, to promote an old musing of parasites, which goes back to, I think, about 2004 or five, uh, where we looked at water as the, as the medium for ghosts uh, and water having a memory as the medium for ghosts so it was a, it was an opportunity to to you know give the old the old uh, music a, a, a plug and uh, and an airing again but you know it was it was quite interesting because that's always had a very adverse reaction uh, when we posted it uh, people who, who, you know, they say, well, parasites are supposed to be sceptical and uh, you're not supposed to come up with this woo nonsense. So why have you gone and done this? Um, and, you know, it, it's sometimes good to allow your mind, and, and we did always stress, you know, in the document that it was a uh, 
nothing more than a, a thought process. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't developed in any way. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a good mental exercise to do, to think laterally, to think out of the box uh, and, and allow you know, the creative side of the human brain to get engaged in the investigative process too. Now, I know you know my thoughts on some of these creative devices that are being, that are being used, mm-hmm. uh, but I've got nothing against creative thought processes and creative thinking because we are dealing with something that is existential, something that's it's largely one of personal belief and infringing upon other people's beliefs. And I think you do have to adopt a lateral approach to it sometimes. Now, that doesn't apply in terms of physics, because if you're going to measure the temperature, then measure the temperature. There is a prescribed and proper way of doing it, and something that, looks like, it, something that looks like it's best on the shelf of a sex shop uh, is no substitute for, uh, for a properly calibrated thermometer. But in terms of... Uh, what somebody's experience represents, how to document and, and, and represent that experience and how to test the experience. I think creative thought is, is, is you know, a useful thing. And I think sceptics, some sceptics, some scientists, tend to lack that, that um, I don't know, that creative flair. Uh, Einstein, who, who who is still one of the greatest geniuses and one of the world's greatest physicists, was, uh, if you go through some of his quotes, he was a deeply spiritual man and came, you know, ha- really had no truck with, with the, the, the stuffy, stifled way of thinking that, that science represented. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's we pick and choose what we want. I think, uh, and I think most ghost hunting groups do, or ghost investigator groups, whatever they call themselves, and, and they pick and choose what uh, mantra they want to follow. Uh, you know, and and they ignore everything else, and that's not exactly the the best way of of. Uh, you know, investigating, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're not open-minded or not open to consider all possibilities, then you're you're going in with a narrowed vision. You absolutely have to consider every possibility, but that also has to be tempered with, uh, what I guess is my mantra as well, question everything. Never blindly accept just because, uh, right. you know, we accept at face value all of the accounts that were given initially before we test them, and then they're tested. Mm-hmm. Now there are some accounts that we can't test. We can't test somebody's claim to be psychic. We can't test the claim that somebody saw an apparition several weeks before we were involved, because a bit like in, in uh, ufology cases, you're always chasing... or. or majority of the time goes something you're chasing the event the event has, has already taken place uh, and so there are certain things you can't test you can test for example could the witness possibly have seen what they claim to have seen from the position they were in and there are some accounts that fall apart when you look at it uh, in that light because uh, the witness may describe 
seeing something that clearly they could never have seen given the position they were in because, for example, there was a door in the way or a wall in the way. And that has happened. Uh, and you, mm-hmm. you can then start to appreciate that maybe they were in an altered state of consciousness during the time of their experience. Um, you know, we can't yet, you know, humans can't see through walls. Um, or, you know, I say altered state of consciousness, they could just be making the whole damn thing up as well. I was being charitable. True. Um, but those are the things that you can test. You can go and sit in the same chair where they had their experience. You can look at the location. You can't ultimately uh, replicate that experience because you weren't there when it took place. And even if you were there, you're not having the same experience that they're having. And so you might be in a room with somebody who is saying there is an apparition, I can see them, uh, they're in the corner of the room, and you can train your own eyes and every piece of technology and camera that you've got onto that same spot and get nothing at all. But that doesn't mean to say that there's nothing there. That just means to say that you're not capturing anything at that particular point because, you know, it might it might not exist. It might be something within that person's mind, but it might be something that technology isn't capable of capturing. This is true. Now, the the interesting, you know, you, we go back to that door incident, and, and there are some door incidents that I have experienced that uh, I could not replicate. Uh, when you when you have a door handle that actually turns, and you actually physically see it turn, and the door open at at the end of a long hallway, then it's a little bit. And there's no one there, of course, so you can verify that. But that's a more difficult thing to explain than than just, uh, you know, a door opening an inch or two or, you know, closing an inch or two, you know, opening and closing. I mean, you, you understand the, the physics of a vacuum and, uh, or how a vacuum is created, but it's it, some, some examples of, of physical activity are hard to explain. Well, yes, and you know, you know from previous uh, shows where we've discussed uh, our own investigations in the past. A fly in, we, a fly in socks. Uh, not just the fly in socks. We've had doors opening and closing. We've had lights turning on and off, objects moving. Yes, um, I was using the example before where, you know, with, uh, specifically in relation to the chat room comment, um, and that you know that it is possible sometimes to actually pinpoint what took place and not, you know, not say, well, just because we've managed to see it taking place doesn't mean that it it wasn't paranormal five minutes ago. Um, You're absolutely right. That was one one instance, but there have been many others. um, And there are... So how does parascience, I mean, parascience, you're considered a bit bit of a skeptical group. Uh, Um, Yes. but it, when you do come up with evidence that you can't find an explanation for, do you publish that evidence? Evidence? Do you put it on your website? And what type of reaction do you get for when when you do something like that, where where say ninety percent of the these the evidence you collect is is going the opposite way? There's natural explanations. When do you do you when you publish something like that? How how is that accepted? Well, the first thing you'll find is you'll never see any statistic that says 90% or 99% or 30% or whatever it is. Uh, what uh, you will see is, is, a, is a clear 
description of what took place, uh, a description of the process, processes we went through to try and eliminate it, and then at the end, uh, a simple statement of fact that we could not eliminate what took place. We could not explain it by uh, any of the methods that we used to to try and um, discover what took place. Therefore, we will assign it unknown. We can't say it's paranormal because we don't know it's paranormal. Uh, but we will say well, it's paranormal, paranormal being not normal that you can explain. So that we throw this term paranormal around and sometimes we interchangeably use it with supernatural, which is something a little different, I would think. Uh, but paranormal is just something to me is something that's not normal, something that uh, can't be explained yeah. by a normal well, process. Para, well, paranormal. Yeah, yeah. The so going back to the dictionary. Yeah, but the fact that we can't explain it doesn't mean it's paranormal. It simply means that we might not have looked properly and we might have missed something or technology doesn't. I mean, you look at what technology can do today um, in terms of uh, measuring and monitoring things that we couldn't do 20 years ago. Now, a lot of what we considered to be highly unusual uh, back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s is considered to be perfectly normal today. Um, mm-hmm. So... We have looked at all of the possibilities that we're able to look at, and there are some that we would like to look at, but the budget doesn't allow because we can't afford Mm -hmm. the technology. Um, So that means that we don't know what the cause is. It doesn't mean it's paranormal. It means that we just haven't found the cause. But we've looked very hard. We've looked damn hard. And we've looked as, Mm -hmm. you know, harder than most, and we've looked to the best of our ability. But our ability isn't limitless. Uh, It is finite as are our resources, and there are certain... You, we want to remain, you know, uh, realistic and pragmatic, but at the same time, we've got to we've got to be honest and simply say that it's as close... To, that's where we should be looking, because that's as close to the paranormal as we're getting, the fact that we've eliminated a huge swathe of the normal, but yet we're still getting an anomaly. So we focus on the anomaly because that's that's the area of key interest, and that's why we don't look at orbs anymore. Well, yeah, okay. One man's orb is another man's dust. One man's spirit is another man's death. Yeah, you're trying to make a saying out of that. It's not working, is it? No, not really. <laughs> You could it's, you could use the title of the paper. One man's orb is another man's load of balls. Uh, yeah. Uh, ghost girl from the chat room says, "Are you talking about ghosts?" So, I mean, if you do, do you do you ever come up with that conclusion? There's an interesting thought. Do we ever come up with a conclusion that there's a ghost? Uh, no, because again, we're talking about somebody's definition. There was the pizza bell. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about. You know, what what somebody defines as a ghost. If you see a solid three-dimensional shadow, shadow-casting figure that then disappears, you might say you've seen a ghost. If you see a, a shadowy figure out of the corner of your eye, you might say you've seen a ghost. If you see a Roman centurion, you might say you've seen a ghost. If you see... The mechanisms might be entirely and utterly different, but it's just a universal catch-all term, so it's one that we don't actually like using. 
Uh, we use it in its broadest sense, and we use it simply because people understand the basic term, uh, but not the mechanism behind it. Oh, I like that voice. Now, can you hear me? Sound better that way. You sound yeah, better when you're on the floor. Yeah, what happened is I actually pulled my headphones out. No, you actually sounded better. Yeah, thank you. Anyways, that was the pizza bell. That was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here. So we've got to wrap it up. Uh, we, I believe we will be on next week, uh, which is 26th. Yep, I believe that's... 27th. That's a go. 26th? 27th? What is well, it? We've got a guest. 26th. Well, we've got... We've got a guest anyway. 26, yep. Okay, oh, okay, cool. So, we have a guest. Do you know who it is? I do. It's okay. uh, a guest from Ireland, from Haunted, from Wexford, uh, Southeast Ireland, Michael Benson. Michael Benson from Ireland, and he is a paranormal investigator? He's an author and a paranormal investigator from Southern, from the Irish Republic. Okay, so the Irish Republic, and he will be here uh, next Tuesday at 3 o'clock. So there you go. So uh, once again, always interesting talking with you, and I love picking your brain for what it's worth. Uh, but I, I really like, I, I, I have this, this really cool paranormal thing that's worth investigating, and it's definitely, uh, when you come here next year, maybe that should be one of my priorities, to, is to set that up, and we'll do a proper uh, investigation of this, and, and see what happens. And televise it for EBC. There you go. It can happen. So anyways, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, I will see you next week. Until then, to everybody who's listening, uh, Good night and God bless. Good night, God bless. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us, good Lord.